every day for 21 days, just write down three wins that you had that day. Why it was positive and how you can make further progress on it. And I've done that with 95% consistency since 2016. That's part of the reason why I'm so confident. It's part of the reason why I have so much self-belief. It's part of the reason why doubting myself, I'm okay with it. Hey everyone, it's the Stay Hungry Podcast. I'm Andy Rowland here with the man, the myth, the legend. That is Paul Mort. Let's go. Mate, Stay Hungry Podcast. Stay Hungry Podcast. Guess what I am right now? You're starving. Hungry as fuck. <laughs> so tell you, you're fighting on when? I am. I've got a, uh, the the British Nogi Jiu-Jitsu uh, Open this Saturday, so four days. And you weigh what now? Yeah, I'm 82 now. I've got to be 79. It's fine. Yeah, so that's drinking loads of water. Loads of, of water. A little bit. Actually, the, you know what? The food's not even that bad. I'm not really counting calories. I've just had to lower my carbs a little bit. That's all. It's fine. Yeah, so when, I was, fine. when I was doing judo, the weight cut. Yeah, yeah. just... Is it getting I've easier? I've never done one, you know. All I've done is, whenever I've had matches or tournaments before, I've just took it slow. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do water cut. But this time around, because I had a staph infection, I didn't train for a couple of weeks. And then my elbow was sore, so I couldn't train properly. And I've been traveling. And I like to eat. I eat out a lot, especially since I've stopped boozing. So this time I'm like, I spoke to someone. He was like, Paul, the problem is you're trying to drop body fat. He said, and you're training hard. It's quite difficult, that. So he's like, just do a water cut. So I'm down. We'll give it a go. I'm just peeing a lot. What's your favorite restaurant in the UK? Ooh, great question. Does it involve mashed potato? Fuck no. Nice restaurants don't serve mashed potato. What was that Matt Abbey podcast you did? And he was talking through the different things you do with a potato. Yeah, Hasselback. Uh, uh, he loves a Hasselback. Nice. My favourite restaurant that you... I'm going to answer this question. My favourite right now would be a restaurant called Hiem. Hiem is in uh, Hexham. Near, it's Northumberland way. Um, and it's like... Uh, Sounds Scandi. Scandi, amazing. Yeah, I was blown away by it. And obviously, it's one of my favourite things. Eating at Michelin Star restaurants is something that I didn't think someone like me would be able to do. But since I've boozed, well, obviously I haven't drank this year. But even before that, I wasn't drinking much. And I've kind of, that's what I like to do. You know what I mean? It's, I think once you've done it, it's like, oh yeah, this is a this is a bit of me. Nice. Obviously, Ramsey's is amazing. I went to one recently that's new. It hasn't got a Michelin Star yet, but it'll get one. Um, with a guy, Kenny Atkinson. Kenny's been on the Great British Menu okay. and won it loads of times. He's got a place called House of Ties, but he opened a new one called Solstice. And it'll get a mission star as soon as lush. No, it's hard, Andy. No, it's hard. I had this lamb dish, right? And at the end... Never done the vegan thing. Nah. Have, you, have you done that? Have you tried that? Nah, not okay. for me. Not okay. for me. I, yeah. <laughs> there was this lamb dish, and at the end of it, they brought you some bread out. I was like, this is a weird time to bring bread out. And they're like, oh, the bread's to mop up the gravy. Oh, 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 and the gravy was like a lamb jus, mate. Oh. It was sensational. Oh, uh, which is a, and it's a very weird thing now for a Michelin star restaurant, isn't it? And I was thinking to myself, would this, could this possibly stop you from getting a Michelin star? Because it's not a refined type of thing to do, but I'd be like, fuck that. I couldn't care about a Michelin star for, if I got to wipe up gravy with bread. <laughs> Come on then. So you have your fight on Sunday, you take home gold. What are you going to go and eat? Well, I've already decided what I'm going to oh. eat. If I take home gold or not. Because you, you don't do you don't do McDonald's, that right? You don't do fast food. Not really. No, not no. really. I don't mind it. Saturday night, we've got a long drive home, so it will probably be. In fact, I think I'll have a Nando's Saturday night. And then on Sunday, I haven't booked anywhere, but we'll, we'll either go with a fam. We'll either go Milan Carter, which is all right. I mean, we listen, we're it's not like, blessed with loads of nights, especially I'm not taking my kids to a Michelin star place. So we'll probably go Milan Carter or there's a place. People think this is mad. 
we'll drive 30 minutes to go to this place called Lev's Delivery. It's a Caribbean takeaway. We'll drive 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back just to go there. So probably that. Oh, yeah. I, could, I, could, I could talk food all day. Oh, mate. But it said, talk to me about imposter syndrome. Me, me too. Do you know what with the food thing? Especially since I've stopped drinking, it seems to have been what I've replaced it with. Where am I going to eat this weekend rather than where am I going to drink this weekend and what I am I going to drink? And I like it though. I was talking to Leslie about this. I said, I'm finding it a bit harder to lose weight. And I was thinking, well, it's not the worst thing to replace booze with, is it? Do you, do you know think what I mean? Got, do you think most people got to have one vice and it's got to be booze or food or food? I don't know. I think it's just something to look forward to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Something different to look forward to. What am I going to do this weekend? How am I going to spend my time? How am I going to recover? How am I going to rest? How am I going to reward myself? So, yeah, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, I mean, it depends who's diagnosing you with it, innit? So, for me, imposter syndrome, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Who made it up? Who invented it? Who diagnosed you with it? What cream do you take? Because it makes it... Here's the, here's the truth about imposter syndrome. The reason I've got such a problem with using that label and labeling yourself with it, because that's all you're doing, is I can't see how it empowers you. I'm all about empower, empowering people so you can, you can cr you create your life. Life doesn't happen to you. I'm a big believer in you. Mm -hmm. You're the creator of your life. And I can't see how labeling yourself with imposter syndrome can empower you at all. We as all you're essentially describing is a, a, a discomfort, a fear that you could get found out or someone that might find you out or a discomfort that you're going to get called out or criticized or something. So I'd rather label it as this is uncomfortable than I've got imposter syndrome. Like I've got, it sounds like a fucking disease. So do you think people take security and like it almost takes the blame off them if they can put a label on something? Oh, this happened because of something outside. Yeah, of I think control. so. Oh, I'd love to do this, but I've got imposter syndrome. No, you're just fucking scared, mate. What you want is a guarantee. You don't have imposter syndrome. How do you, how do you have it? How do you catch it? Where did you catch it? Who did you catch it off? Who did you sleep with? They gave you. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like I yeah, get yeah, it, yeah. and and people think I've got no empathy, but I have because listen, when you stand in front of a theatre of a thousand people on a Friday night in Newcastle, there's a deep sense of discomfort there. Talking about mental health, talking about mindset, talking about stuffing it with that. There's a deep sense of discomfort there. I could say, oh, I felt imposter syndrome. No, I just felt really uncomfortable. So do you that's where feel, growth is. Do you feel fear ever then? Or do you labor discomfort? All the time. So how do you feel when you, because you, you, I saw you speak at Wembley, you've spoken on stage on your own shows. Mm -hmm. What's, what's going through your mind when... Puerto Rico I spoke at. Oh, with Gary V? Yeah, with Gary V. That was difficult because I'm in Puerto Rico. No one's there to see me. No one. Only person who knew who I was in that crowd was the guy that organized the event. The guy that owned the event didn't even know who I was until two weeks before when I had a call with him. And how did the crowd... Uh, were they mostly American? How did they react? How did, All American. £5,000 a ticket. Did you tell the story event. about shitting on the beach? I did not tell them the story about shitting on a beach. Um... <laughs> was it more? Was it a more reserved pull more then? No, shorter. Right. I had less time. I had to frame it a little bit more because when when people aren't there just to see you, you have to put in a bit of the backstory, which I actually don't like putting in too much of the backstory. So I went all in and I just had to say to them, "Look, I'm really uncomfortable here because," and I just I actually addressed imposter syndrome there. I said, "Here's the deal: none of you are here to see me. You're all here to see Gary V. I talk really fast, and I've got a crazy accent." You might think I'm too confident. You might think I talk too fast. You might think I move around the stage too much. That's the way it is. Like, then I'm left with this position of, well, what are you going to say about me? What are you going to think about me that I haven't already said or thought about myself? That's, for me, how you become unfuckwithable. Like, that's just, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I could say I've got imposter syndrome. I can fucking deal with my insecurities. I, I just own them. 
I know I talk fast. I know I sound too confident sometimes. I know sometimes I say things before I've thought it through. I know sometimes I can offend people and upset people. I know that I've got an accent. I know I say fuck too much, but... So I'd say in my game, in marketing, the biggest challenge we have with clients is helping them get over this perceived fear of what to say on social mm. media, for yeah. example, of what the fear of what someone else might say. Because mm. obviously you you come under fire a bit on socials. How What kind of advice would you give to people who are like, they, they're too scared to post what they want to post to grow their business so because the, of what someone I, might say? I mean, there's say. a few things, a great question, Andy. For a few things, what's more important to you? Growing your business and putting clothes on your kids' backs? Growing your business and allowing your family to experience amazing things that you didn't get to experience. Growing your business and impacting more people or your fucking comfort. Which one's more important? I guess putting I can't have both. Family, Here's yeah. the truth. The, the, the cost of admission, the cost of admission to success is criticism. Full stop. That you can't, you can't have success without criticism. You can't have praise without criticism. You can't have support without challenge. Do you get what I'm saying? You can't have wins without losses. You can't have a positive without a negative. You can't have an upside without a downside. You can't have a benefit without a drawback. That's, once you accept that, it's like, oh, well, it's not that bad. What's worse? You criticizing yourself for being a fucking pussy, right? Yeah. You criticizing yourself for not doing what you said you would. You criticizing yourself for... Not fulfilling your potential. I hate that I've said that. That's why I thought about it for a second. I was like, I wouldn't normally say that. Right. You criticizing yourself for not being a great example, being the example, or some random fucker criticizing you on the internet. I'll tell you what's worse. The shit that you say about yourself to yourself. It's way worse. Feels way worse. Some random, and again, two frames I could put this in for you as well. One, you're not the star of anybody else's movie. Everyone's like, I'm worried about what people think. I'm like, that's because you think you're the star of their movie. Wow, yeah. You're not the star of anybody else's movie. They are. You're not the center of anybody else's universe. And it's almost, this sounds weird. People think that people who, are, who have a lot of confidence need to get over themselves. It's actually the other way around. People with a lot of confidence have gotten over themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Okay, yeah, that's right. That's I've gotten over myself, so you can criticize mm. me if you want. If you can't, do the work because you're scared of criticism. You haven't actually gotten over yourself. You think you're the star of everybody else's movie. You think you're the center of everybody else's universe. You're not. And then, like I said, once you get criticized, it's not that bad. So does anyone else, does anyone ever get through a chink in your armor? Yeah. Okay. When they question me integrity. Right. Okay. And how do you deal with that? Or is it a case of not dealing with it? You just move on. <laughs> I'm going I'm to do a video about this soon, right? Because you get, I ask people this all the time because obviously I have people on my podcast who come under a lot of stress. In fact, a lot of criticism. I would say that it's part, again, I say, I said that before, criticism is the cost of our mission. Mm -hmm. You're not willing to pay the price, you're not getting in the theme park. You're not getting in. You're not getting into the stadium unless you pay the price, full stop. You have to pay the price, you have to be willing to. If you're not willing to, you don't get the other side. You don't get in the stadium to watch the match. You can try and watch it on TV, you can watch everybody else doing it, you can watch everybody else in the stadium, you can play it on a fucking, but you can't get in the stadium unless you're willing to pay the price. Um, some people say that's unfair. They like using that label that it's just not fair and that's life. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair, but it's the reality, the right? It yeah. yeah. It's not fair that I, if, if I can't afford to fly business class, that's not fair either. But it is what it is. So do you think any of this stems from like things like stuff that's going on in schools now where everyone gets a medal for taking part, you get celebrated for coming in 10th <laughs> or whatever? Or with this kind of entitlement, do you think that plays a part in this? Oh, that's not fair that I 
can't fly business class or it's not fair that a little bit, someone criticises me. A little bit, you know, I, I think it does. I think you got, you've got this attitude of, and I get this, mate, we're talking about me getting criticised at 2am. I'll get a message off somebody or a missed call off somebody on my Facebook or my Instagram. And then suddenly they give me loads of shit saying that I don't even get back to people and you don't, you say you care about people, but you don't. I'm like, mate, it's fucking 2am. Wow. wow. Now you're kicking off because I haven't got back to you. I'm fucking asleep, mate. Or I'm with my family. Mm -hmm. I put out hundreds of videos, loads of podcasts. I've got three books that you can have for free. I've got a course that you can have for free. I put on Q&As every week for free. Yet you still think you're entitled for me to take time out of my life, take time away from my family, and be up in the middle of the night to answer your question, to drop everything for you. I was going to, I was going to talk about your phone, actually, because you're really when you go on holiday, I know you've just been to Dubai, you lock your phone away, don't you? Because yeah. it's such a, yeah. a tool that can, hamper, that can increase productivity, but really hamper it as for well. For me, especially. For me, especially. Um, I'm not the guy that is able to check his emails for an hour in the morning and right. then, then not think about them or go from them. So what's, what's your average screen time in a... In a in a day, do you reckon, at the moment? Oh, it'll be five or six hours. Okay. Easy. I'm okay with that. My productivity's, listen, my productivity's, I would say nine out of ten right now because I don't do shit that I hate. <laughs> productivity's never a problem when you when you, when you when when your day is full of high value, high power activities that excite you. Most of my, and again, I may make less money doing this, but I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with making a little bit less, only doing shit that I love. Yeah, because I was listening to another podcast of yours where you talked about if you're having to do a task you really don't enjoy, you'll look to see, how can I bin this or get someone else to do yeah. it? How can I bin it? How can I get somebody else to do it? And if I can't do either of those things, how can I link it emotionally to tasks that I do love doing? So I would have to do this with, listen, I don't like dieting. I don't like drinking fucking seven litres of water a day. But I can link that, oh, well, if I'm not willing to do that, then I don't get to compete at the weekend. The same as that, what I said about the criticism thing. I'm not willing to do it. That's okay. But then I don't get the, the reward. So I can link. I always use this example. I hate doing PowerPoint slides. I actually hate doing most kinds of preparation. I just, I just want to do the thing. I want to deliver the training. But I can link having great slides with putting on an even better training. An even better training. So it's, I get that shit done faster when I can either delegate it. And I delegate a lot of shit. Particularly stuff that I don't like. Again, it might cost me more money, but I'm okay with that. It doesn't cost me my happiness or energy, though. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, or I can uh, delete it, just be like, I'm not doing that. This LinkedIn thing, it's not for me. Can't delegate it because it's the time that it's happening is the time that I, I haven't got anyone that can do it. So Gary, just, Gary Vee's a big LinkedIn I've fan, just deleted it. I've just deleted it. Have you? For now, I. Right. I haven't deleted LinkedIn. I've just deleted the task of posting on there every day. Right, okay. But obviously TikTok, talking to Mac earlier, TikTok's flying for you, TikTok's flying. I think we're on 26,000 followers or something. We've got videos that have got 2 million views. Guess who does that? Not me. I don't even have the app. So what's the thing you enjoy doing the most? Um, it, work related. Speaking. Speaking. Speaking on the stage life. where I'm a centre of attention. <laughs> where I'm a centre of attention. Mm -hmm. I get to show off. I get to tell stories. I get to make people laugh. And I get to inspire people and piss a few people off. That's my, that's my right up there is my highest value. Again, the downside of that though is that the travel. You're away from your family. Um, Yeah. But when I, when I saw you talk at Wembley, it's quite funny. I had a, a Christian lady behind me. I know she was Christian because she kept announcing it all the way through. Was she vegan and, as well? Um, it could have been. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> but she was, um, yeah, tutting quite quite a lot. And when Nick Jones introduced you and said, you know, a bit of a, a potty mouth, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, my wife calls you potty mouth, Paul. <laughs> um, I could hear her say, well, if, if he offends my Christian values, that won't be for me. And I was praying for you to tell the story 
uh, uh, when you were on the beach. Um, but which one? The, the one where you were caught short in the morning. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know why I didn't do that? Because I've done that stage. Uh, okay, that's maybe the fourth time I've spoken at Expert Empires. And I've done that one for. But the water slide one you did, that was amazing with the yeah. goggles. The reaction to that, I yeah. mean, that was just it's mad. brilliant. So it's have mad. you got um, speaking gigs lined up for 2023? I have got, first one I've got, I've actually just been booked by Beachbody, massive company, half a billion pound company. Wow. Um, they have P90X, Insanity. Sean, um, Sean T. Sean T. Oh, awesome. So they booked me for January. I actually got a, uh, got a sick thing with them. They came to me, actually on the back of that event, so we saw you speak at Expert Empires, I'd love to hire you, we'd love to be the keynote of this. I was like, I mean, that's early January. Um, and then I will be announcing a 2,000 seat at theatre show. 2,000? Well, yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know everything you talk about, I mean, your speaking is everything, is linked to your goals. And yeah. that's how you get so much more accomplished than, yeah. I'd say, the average person. But I know journaling is obviously a, a big fundamental yeah. part of your programme. Yeah. yeah. You know, sort of share with us like, why journaling yeah. is, and, and maybe the five Fs as well. Yeah. Why that's so powerful. So journaling, journaling is the thing that I get asked about a lot because I talk about it so often. But the first thing I want to shift is that I mocked journaling for a long time. Mm -hmm. That's for hippies. Why would I want to write down what I think? But I actually, I wouldn't say that the journaling that I do and that I teach and that I preach and that I live isn't traditional journaling. It's not writing down your thoughts for the day. It's not writing down how today went, really. We do what I call prompted journaling, okay? So I'm big on this concept of where you place your attention is where you place your energy. Mm -hmm. Or what you're focused on will grow. Or you'll get what you're focused on. Most people wake up in the morning focused on the problems. Most people wake up in the morning with their attention on other people's lives. Most people wake up in the morning with their attention on all the things that they don't like about their life, all the things that they feel obliged to do that day. And I'm like, what if I could transform my energy by just choosing where to place my attention? So focus and attention is controlled by questions. So I ask questions in the frame of pointing my mind towards empowering thoughts, pointing my mind towards my future rather than my past pointing my mind towards what I'm excited about rather than what I'm resenting having to do that day. Um, and for me, that is the best thought I can possibly have to my day. That whole, and again, it's just a decision. Where I place my attention is where I place my energy. I can trans, what's amazing, Andy, this is amazing to me, still fascinates me, how you can change your body by thought alone. I can change the emotion I'm experiencing, how my body's feeling, by fucking thought alone. That blows my mind. And that starts with a question. We ask our brain a question. The frontal lobe looks for a reference. It starts to create chemicals in the brain. It sends them down the spinal cord to the hormonal centers. And the hormonal centers create a feeling. It's mad. Thoughts yes. are the, if thoughts are the language of the brain, of the mind, then feelings are the language of the body. And when you can get them talking to each other, that's amazing that. I can create the emotion... I can create emotions on demand. So that's what I practice every morning. And how do I want to feel? I want to feel inspired that day. I want to feel positive. I want to feel more of it. I want to feel excited. And all those feelings are fucking intoxicating. And they're not really this, but I would almost say that like you come into work in that, in that state, you're going to meetings in that state. You, you, you live most of your, I'm not, I don't feel like that all the time. I just wrote a post this morning saying when I wake up in the morning, I tend to feel like shite. I'm okay with that. Cause I know how to change it in a fucking heartbeat by answering a couple of questions in my journal with integrity. So I plan that out. I also, I'm reminding myself of my future, where I'm heading towards every day. It's like getting in, a, you think about this, if you're going into your day and your day is like a journey, right? Mm -hmm. Your day is like a journey. And every day you get up 
and let's just say you're going into your day and the taxi driver comes to pick you up, picks you up. That's your attention. Taxi driver comes to pick you up and he says, where do you want to go? And your answer is not here. And you're just going to end up going round in fucking circles. It's going to be a draining day for you. You're going to get where you're going to end up by the end of the day. Exactly where you were yesterday. Going round in fucking circles. So for me, I'm telling that sat nav, I'm telling that taxi driver, here's where I want to go today. And then nine times out of 10, I get there. And if I don't, that's okay too. It's fine. Yeah, it's a completely different feeling that. So that is the power of journal. I'm reminding myself of my future so that I can align my day with it, so that I can align my actions with it, so I can align how I feel about it with it, rather than what I would do. Otherwise, my attention has to go somewhere. Most people's attention is on the past. In fact, first thing in the morning, Andy, I believe that most people's attention is on other people's past. I think about okay. it like this. When people tell me I didn't film my journaling this morning, I'm like, what did you do instead? And unless you're getting your dick sucked or you're getting laid or whatever it is, then for me, the only other thing that you're doing rather than journaling and putting your attention on your intentions is you're looking at somebody else's past. It's called a phone. That's what you're doing. Even if you're checking your emails, you're looking at somebody else's past. Mm -hmm. You're looking at Instagram, Facebook, you're looking at somebody else's past. That's not what I'm committed to do. The first thing I do in the morning will tend to indicate what I'm actually committed to. And I'm committed to a vision of my future for all sorts of reasons. And the main reason being, because it fucking excites me. Well, how you start your day dictates your day. That's one of the things we're so, always yeah. saying on the team. Why do you think it's, take, well, it's taken me a bloody long time to realise you spend so much time going around in circles because you don't know where you're bloody going? And if you can identify that every he single a, morning. Here's what I think the challenge is, Andy. I get a lot of questions on me Instagram, me Facebook. And most of them are asking for, direct, asking for directions. Mm -hmm. How, how, how. And that's great. I love doing that. I get to show off again, right? But people are asking for the directions before they figure out, before they know what the destination is. I'm like, I can't give you directions to an unknown destination. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Most people haven't even got an idea of what they're working towards. So when people ask me about journaling, I'm like, listen, do not journal for the sake of journaling. It needs to be linked emotionally to an outcome that juices the shit out of you. It needs to be linked emotionally to a mission that inspires you. Mm -hmm. If it's just journaling for the sake of journaling, it's like going to the gym for the sake of going to the gym. Fuck that. What do you end up doing? 10 minutes on the cross trainer, mm -hmm. 10 minutes on the bike. Going fucking nowhere. Get making no progress. And that's where my mind's happiest when it sees progress. So I've got to teach it how to find progress, how to find magic moments, how to spot amazing things in the day. So yeah. So because you talk about the five F's, don't you? Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of the journey. Focus, yeah. fitness, family, finance, and yes. fun. How did you sort of come up with them? And could you explain more about the magic moments fitting yes. within them? Yes, I can. Both of those things were stolen. Let me tell you how it happened. Um, I, in 2014, obviously I was at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. um, I actually, I'd actually, a lot of people don't know this. I went to Wake Up Warrior before I was rock bottom. It was actually after a trip to Wake Up Warrior. This has nothing to do with them, by the way. Didn't happen there, but it was actually when I got back from a trip to Wake Up Warrior that I was at rock bottom. It's in California? Yeah. Right. So I, I joined Wake Up Warrior in around about the July or August that year, and it was amazing. It woke me up. I was a one-dimensional douchebag. I'd built this... Incre these incredible businesses that I never thought I'd be able to do. I was making a lot of money, had no purpose anymore though. I'd sacrificed everything to get there. Um, I'd made my first million that year as well. So on paper, do you think a lot of people thought you had it all at that point? Oh, one million percent. On paper, so, from so, the outside. So what, what did you have? You were in Marbella? I, you know? I, I was in Marbella at the start of that year. I came home in the June that year because my daughter was born. I was diagnosed bipolar. Uh, I had a two-year-old son. It was me and my wife. We didn't know anyone. So what? So I struggled there. I had everything. Four bedroom villa, private pool, 
two amazing kids, hot wife, amazing car, probably doing about 30 grand a month profit from my businesses, the two businesses that I had. Um, Work, working like 90 hour weeks or something? or Not eight hour weeks. Wow. Yeah, I built this, I built this yeah. company that was marketing where I wrote these newsletters. That's how I met James Smith. He was in that business with me. Um, as a client, and then we had Lean Greens, which is a supplement company. Didn't require that much work because that's a numbers game. That's a that's a, a a Google ads paid ad paid traffic to a website, buy the supplement, and we obviously we split the profit. Me business partner, um, so I had it all, I had it all. I mean, at that point, man, fucking hell, that year I'd flew first class to Miami with Craig David. Shit, you know what I mean? So, so what was it? Where where did where did the the unhappiness, want of a better word, I was putting all that money up me nose. Ah, okay, right. boozing, sniffing. Right arguing with people on the internet, not exercising, didn't have any of the tools that I had right now. And then I remember one day, I just moved back and a guy called Darren Casey tagged me in something and it was a video. And I'd, at this point, I was a little bit more open about my challenges. I mean, people could see me spending all day arguing with fucking idiots on the internet, just fighting with people, looking to feel something, right. looking to feel something. And I was bored. That's a problem. I was bored. I was either bored or burnt out. And that, those two places fucked me hard. So, um, this guy, Darren Casey, tagged me in a video and he said, oh, Paul, this guy's just like you. And it was, it was my friend now, Garrett J. White. And he was just talking about bipolar and depression in a way that I'd never heard it sp spoken of. Right. In a way that was aggressive and in your face and honest, actually, rather than the whole, I'd seen doctors and I'd seen shrinks and I'd seen psychologists and psychotherapists, all the ists. I'd seen all of the ists and nothing had made any difference. And I seen this video, I was like, this fucker's talking directly to me. Within two days, I gave him 10 grand and booked a flight to Laguna Beach, California. Um, here's the challenge that I had, actually. I'd learned all these tools and all these skills. And I learned about this concept of, well, essentially being a one-dimensional douchebag. I hadn't challenged myself in any area of my life. I hadn't looked to get a handle on any area of my life except my business for at least five years. At least five years. I was just obsessed with making money. Um, how, how was Leslie sort of coping with... With all this at the time. She wasn't. She was, right. she was, you got to think about this. She was raising a two-year-old and a newborn and putting up with my fucking tantrums. She's a fucking saint. She, she, when people say she deserves a medal, she does deserve a medal. When people say who inspires you, I'm like, the, the woman who I married you. Full stop. Full stop. So she's struggling with this. Her mom's having to come out and stay with us regularly. Um, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm surprised she didn't leave me. I'm sure she she had the energy. She might have. <laughs> not even kidding. Right. Not even kidding. I was a fucking arsehole. So instead of wake up warrior, yeah. I learned. I was like, okay, that's why I've done that. I started to figure out the why, and maybe I was trying my best, and I didn't know any better. And obviously, I've made mistakes, and I fucked up, and I've been behaving like a dick. Um, and then we learned about this concept of you called it core four, which was um, body, being, balance, and business. It's a little bit religious for me, but that's by the by. Um, and I just learned about this concept of why do we just focus on one area of our life at a time. What if the, the, the fitness area actually serves the finance area? What if your mindset actually serves your family? What if, well, if I'm not fit, what right have I got to tell my kids to exercise and eat well if I'm a fat, miserable cunt? Do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was all these concepts together. And the bit that I tied on at the end was the fun because I'm like, what's the point in doing all of this if I'm miserable? What's the point in having a six-pack, a seven-bigger business and a hot wife and being, a, being all zen if I'm miserable and I don't have any fun? And I'm big on that shit. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how that whole F5 came about. And it's been uh, it's been revolutionary for me and for a lot of different people. So how, how many how many people in your programs do you think over the years you've you've helped? I mean, was it 4,000? 
Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, could you, are you, are you okay to share maybe some of your quarterly goals in those? Yeah, of course. F's, sort of like what, what you, cause you call them. I, mean, I, love to share, I love sharing them. I love sharing these goals. Was Dubai um, one of them? Or, or do you, Dubai, do you Dubai phone free was one of them. The challenge uh, okay. that I have with some of the fun goals that I'm like, well, I'm going to have fun anyway. Since 2016, I've been doing this thing that when I learned about it was called the positive focus. And this is something that I learned in a program that I've actually, um, I mean now, called Strategic Coach. I've been there a long time. Guy calls Dan Sullivan. He's a fucking genius. And he did this thing and, and he basically, he handed out this little booklet and they said, every day for 21 days, just write down three wins that you had that day. Why it was positive and how you can make further progress on it. And I've done that. 95 with 95 percent consistency since 2016 that's part of the reason why i'm so confident it's part of the reason why i have so much self-belief it's part of the reason why um doubting myself i'm okay with it because i'm like fucking hell if you write down imagine writing down three little things every day that you've done really well for six years you think you'd have some confidence because i know when i came to see you last week with a group of guys and we would talk about how long it takes for something to become a habit, whether it's giving up drinking or whatever. And so things like journaling, writing down your wins, you do it repeatedly. I mean, Tell how long it takes. Forever. <laughs> Does. Still worth Habits take forever. Habits take until you don't have to think about it. I still have to think about writing it down because I've got to remember. I've got to remember to fill in my journal. So it's still not a habit. You get what I'm saying? It's Because it takes... A habit is something that doesn't take any conscious thinking. Right, okay. Journaling for me still takes a conscious thought because obviously I've got to pick it mm -hmm. up and I've got to do it. Now it's, it's almost, I would say it's almost there, but it's probably never going to be almost there because I've got to physically do it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's not unconscious. It's, it's still a conscious decision to fill it in. So that was the first step that I learned in writing these wins down. And then Tony Robbins talks about this things called, these things called magic moments. And these are just the things that are like extra wins, things that you want to remember, things that you mentally and you can do it on your phone these days, want to take a picture of. Things that when you think about them and when you talk about them, you get goosebumps. Now imagine training your brain to do that. So I train my brain to look for magic moments. That's why I still journal on holiday. Because there's a difference between saying I had a great holiday and then saying, well, let me tell you about five amazing things I did on this holiday. I was just going to ask whether you journal. Five amazing wow. things I remember I do wow. for part of this reason. Let me tell you about five amazing things that's happened on my holiday. One of them was one day we lied about the kid's age had Mac doctor a few documents so they could go on the zip slide, which is basically where you jump off a fucking 50-story building headfirst and fly over the marina. Um, that was incredible. That's wow. better than me coming back and saying, oh, yeah, I had a nice holiday. See the difference there? Yeah, yeah, I can create a picture on my mind. When I create that picture on my mind, I sort of get the feelings. When I say I had a nice holiday, it's like, eh. Do you know what I mean? But when I train my brain to look for these magic moments, guess what it wants to do? It wants to find more of them. My body, because my body wants more of that emotion. Right? It's why when you get anxious or worry about something, you'll start a, you'll start a negativity stack. Mm -hmm. You'll start a stack of all the negativity. You'll start a re... Because your body becomes addicted to these hormones. Your body becomes addicted to hormones. Why it's so easy. I want my body to become addicted to more of these positive hormones. So I'm like, I want my brain mm -hmm. to look for things. And fucking hell, that's amazing. So do your kids ask what you're doing when you're journaling? Or are they journaling themselves? All the time. They? They're not journaling. I wouldn't force them on it. I learned okay. quite early on as a dad, with my son in particular... Right. That forcing your kids to do things makes them resent it. Just lead by example. They Keep it in their peripheral vision. So I learned this the hard way. I didn't know, but I actually had a conversation about this with my friend Andy yesterday. I did a couple of rounds with him rolling. He's actually taking care of my nutrition right now, Andy. He's got kids, three kids. Some old, uh, one older and two a little bit younger. And 
I was saying that he was saying, is Max still training jujitsu? I was like, no, Max started training jujitsu when he was six, training until he was about nine, now hated. Because I kept forcing him to go when nice. he didn't want to go. I kept pushing him to go. I kept banging on about it all the time. I pushed him into tournaments and that. Now, he's same with football, because I love these things. And I was like, why doesn't he love the things that I love? The reality is he's different to me. So I, I try to force him to do it. With Nina, I don't force her to go. And it's totally different now. She doesn't want to go. I mean, fucking hell. Saturday night, we went in with jujitsu, uh, like a jujitsu show where it was 15 minute matches. It was amazing. Nina absolutely loved it. So I'm, my friend said, just keep it in that vision. You keep doing it and they might come back to it. If they don't, they don't. But then they were like, I'm sure you did things when you were younger, Paul, that you don't do anymore. I'm like, well, I do things now. I've done things in the last few years that I don't do anymore. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool with it. But my kids, Nina's funny, you know. On a night time, she'll sometimes sit with me. In the morning, she's kind of, they're doing their own shit. Mm -hmm. They're doing their own thing. I'm up before them anyway. On a night time, sometimes she'll sit me while I'm filling it in. She'll, she'll take the piss out of me. She'll go, right. Dad, it's your biggest take home today. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, what was your biggest take? She'll take the piss out of me. Dad, she'll go, and what was your biggest take home today? Like in that voice. Uh, what was your biggest take home? Uh, but uh, they just see me doing it. So when it comes to kids then, um, where would you draw the line between sort of encourage them to find out what their interests are mm -hmm. and letting them sort of give up on stuff maybe too easily so that before they've had a chance to really yeah, get it's the hard. This it. It's a great question that Andy, because what I've found with both of them is that they'd rather just sit on their phones and watch YouTube. Mm. That's what they'd Same rather right. do. They're on TikTok all the time. Guess what? I'd probably rather do that most of the time as well. Would you not? I think if, yeah, if I'd grown up in their age, yeah, I'd be on my phone yeah, all the time. It just, yeah. it just wasn't around when yeah, I was a kid. because it's fun. It's easy. Um, I just find that if I show interest in what they're interested in, they become even more interested. So my son, if he's into like, my son's into stand-up comedy. It's a bit of a nightmare because he's only 12. Oh, okay. You know he's only 11. Did he come you, see Ricky Gervais with you? No. Is that adults? Oh, 18 plus, is it? Yeah. That's definitely over 18. Oh, really? It was very inappropriate. I loved it. That's what made it so. People was like, what it was like, I was probably the most offensive show I've ever been to. Oh, so I love it. Great. You, you and that's why it, it was so good. I found it funny. Yeah. That's why I'm happy that yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's it. amazing. It's amazing. So he's been to see Chris Ramsey. Tonight we're going to see Russell Kane, actually. Oh, Russell, brilliant. Just because I know those people, right. so I can sneak him in the back door. Um, but if he's into that, I'll just ask him questions about it and he'll start to get even more into it. Rugby, I'm buzzing that he's found rugby. He fucking loves it. And it's because part of him liked jujitsu, but he didn't like... Jiu-jitsu's a funny thing because you do a lot of drilling. Mm -hmm. Drilling's a bit boring. Repetitive, repetitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he liked the sparring, yeah. but you don't really get any better sparring. So in rugby, he gets to fucking lift people. <laughs> you know what I mean? He gets to tackle people. Yeah. Which was his favourite part of jujitsu with the other stuff, running with the ball. You're always involved in some way. It's not boring. Um, so, so do, mo do most of your magic moments in, in, involve the family? Is that almost all of them? For, yeah, almost. I have my own stuff. Like for this year, uh, let me give you a couple of examples. I went to see Roma play um, with my friend Mike Lewis. That was incredible. That was a magic moment. I trained jujitsu in a church in Italy, which was mad. My, my kids weren't there, but a lot of the time it will involve other people, right. um, and particularly my kids. I, I was saying yesterday, it's weird. There's loads of things that I want to do, but I'm like, my kids aren't old enough to do it yet. So my friend. I'll probably end up getting them in. Let's just sort their ideas. My friend Ty, I, my friend Ty runs this uh, massive event called some Sand, something Sand. It's a massive event down south. You'll okay. know what it is. Anyway, it's a massive event. They've got Craig David on oh, wow. as the headline act, and I'm like, I really want to take my kids to it, but you have to be 18. Yeah, how on earth were you on a jet with Craig David? By the way, you dropped that <laughs> in casually earlier on. I was like, what I was going on it. I was going to do a consult in Miami. And I flew first class. It was a good deal on it. Craig David was first class and he was really cool. And it was right before he made his comeback. 
So oh, yeah. remember, he made a comeback, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And he came, he, he's popular again now. It was right then. So I was like, is that from Craig David? And I was scared to go over and ask him. So I tweeted, if you saw Craig David, would you go and what would you do? And then he replied to me, tweet saying, he'd come and say hello. And then I went over and got a photo taken with him, chatted with him. It was awesome. Shit. Yeah, it was awesome. And then since then, my kids, my kids love Craig David as well. Um, but things like that, even, even I saw something yesterday that was like a festival. And I was like, oh, I'd love to go there with me kids. But they're not eating. Does me head in. Yeah, so I try and get them, even Michelin star restaurants. I mean, I like me time with Leslie and I love one at one time, but I'd, be, I'd love it if the kids could come here. Like, I'm never thinking, oh, what can I do without me kids? Oh, and it sounds really cheesy, but I like hanging out with them. Sure, I like me time away from them as well. It's like why well, it's part, part, probably one of the reasons I love jujitsu. But even then, if they want to come and watch, they'll come and watch. My son's very excited for the weekend because I could be fighting Tom Hardy. Oh shit! Of course, yeah, yeah, he's in my division. Yeah, so I mean, he's in my division. To, right, okay. he's in my division, okay. which is because he's a, the, the problem that I've got now is because I'm over forty. There's not many people over forty doing jujitsu who are blue belt who are seventy nine kilos, but there's ten people in the division on Saturday, so I'm very excited. See, when I used to compete. I never wanted my wife and kids to come. Really? That, that, I was always too scared. I always thought, what if I lose in front of my kids? Yeah. It was, oh, I'm a little bit like that, but I don't take it as seriously as most people. I'm like, I do jujitsu because it's fun. fun. Yeah. It's fun. I'm just like, if I don't win, it's, I've been through way worse shit than losing a jujitsu match in front of my kids. Do you know what I mean? In fact, I've lost in front of them before. I got choked, choked once and then I got disqualified. The thought was amazing. That I got to get disqualified. Guy put an armbar on. It was 2019. This guy put an armbar on and I picked him up and slammed him on his head. Oh, right. I just stood up and he kept holding me on and then I went back down on my knees and, and dropped them and you're not allowed to do that. So the kids thought that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my first ever fight, um, I was at the side of the mat and the guy opposite me, my opponent, he was doing his gi up, but it was open so I could see he was ripped, six really? pack and everything. And a phrase I always say, even now, is that he beat me before he got on the mat. Because really? he looked the business. I let him yeah. put, put me off and that confidence do you know what, thing, mate? I'll get really, I'll get really nervous on Saturday. Do you get like, I'll get more nervous on Saturday than I will for anything else because it's not just me. How are you in, um, say, say sporting? What about mm. business situations where, I don't know, some big, like Gary V walks into the room. How nah, do you handle that kind of rush, like, you know, in terms yeah. of oh, shit, you know? Yeah. I was going to say imposter syndrome now, but I can't say Do you know that. what? Now, I don't get it at all. Wow. Because from hanging out with a lot of these people, I realise that they're just human. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Tyson Fury, I wasn't that starstruck. It's mad, that, isn't it? That's... It's weird, isn't it? So you think, well, the poor water 10 years ago, we thought like hanging out. With I, I'm just like, wow. it's just be, again, it's just because I've spent a lot of time in the company, been lucky enough to do that. And obviously I've created that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, these masterminds with people that are further ahead than me. And, and one thing I know from spending time with these people is they're not, I mean, I'm not saying they're not special, but I'm saying they're just human. That's a, they're uh, just human. There's, there's no, often the difference is that they started before me and have been doing it longer than me. That's often the difference. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They've just spent more time on the mats, been to more classes. So that, and that's quite a big, a big breakthrough. And this is what I try and, this is what I'm trying to, this is why I bring my kids to a lot of events. I mean, my son's met Tyson. They've spent a lot of time with James Smith and people like that. Um, and obviously they'll meet Russell and they've met Chris Ramsey and they've met these successful people because I want them to think, I also want them to think that this is just normal. Because when I was a kid, mate, in South Shields, You'd look at these people like superheroes, like superhuman. I could never do that. When I've spent time with these people, I'm like, actually, it's not that big a deal. What we sometimes think is impossible, when you spend time with these people, you're like, well, actually, if he can do it, he's not that different to me. Because oh, I think if I met Gary Vee, I'd probably just... just it's mad, isn't it? Is he a good bloke? It's good. I mean, I'm on my podcast in 2014. I bet you didn't know that. 
You what, sorry? I had him on my podcast in 2014. No, 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 that shit. Uh, oh, 2014. It's still in some archive somewhere. Wow. Yeah, it was mad. Yeah. You mentioned James Smith a couple of times, probably yeah. my favourite podcast episodes. You, yeah. I think you've done two or two or three with yeah, him. Loads, he's got his, he's got his Australian residency yeah. now. Um, I, mean, I so, hate him when he's in Australia. Have you have you done Australia? No. Is that is that uh, on your list or just too far, too long? It'll be on my list in the next couple of years, but I would have to go for a month and I'll have to go in there somewhere. Right, the okay. challenge that we've got right now is kids. Mm-hmm. For us to go on a month holiday, it wouldn't be that big a deal, but it would be in the sub- summer of holidays. Course, yeah. So I would, and I would. That's not when I would go to Australia. I would also want to get paid for going there. <laughs> nice. And of course, you're speaking at IFS in Brighton. Speaking at so IFS yeah. in Brighton, which is mad. Got my tickets for that. Uh, got, that'll be sick. Right. That'll be sick. So is fitness still a massive because you spoke at um, Gordon Burcham's events as well. So yeah, I did. You speak at a lot of fitness events, don't you? Yeah, just because, and it's a weird thing because everyone's like. Because of my background, I was in the fitness marketing game and I was a PT for ages. And because I've, I've worked with some of the most prominent people in that industry, I've got a bit of a legacy there. So even now, there are many people that think, oh, well, I'm not in the fitness industry. Can I join your program? I'm like, what makes you think I'm in the fitness industry? And it's just because I have a bit of a legacy there. Now we're starting to see in my business, I'm starting to see a shift from, from less fitness people to more everyday people. Like, for example, Elite X upstairs. We've went from, let's just say we had 20 guys in there, 10 of them being fitness guys to too. And also you're, you're coaching a lot more women these days, is that right? Coaching a lot more women, mate. I love it. Yeah. So if I was to, I mean, one thing I maybe should have asked at the beginning, the three W's I usually do, um, what do you do, who for and why? Who mm. Who is the who now? So the who is anybody that is willing to step up and get their shit together. Got business owner? Is it not necessarily. Okay. No. It, for a long time, it was I work with married businessmen who need to get their shit together. And then in 2020, especially more eyes started to come towards me because of lockdown, because of the skills that I've got, because of the tools that I've got, uh, because of the book deal. I basically got bullied into coaching women. My profile grew a little bit. And, and I know about niches and I know the riches are in the niches like the Americans say. But right now I've got the skill set and the tools and the strategies to help anybody. Because there's a lot of pressure, I think, now to have a niche. We tried. It just didn't work for us. Do you mm-hmm. think you need a niche? I think if you're, it depends. Here's what I think. I think the smaller your geographic, the wider your demographic can be. So for example, if it's a local business, I don't think a niche matters. Okay. If you're a worldwide, if, you, if your geographic's wide, I think it, it's helpful if your demographic's a bit smaller. But I also think you've got to consider, and that's just because you'll blend in with a lot of companies who will crush you when it comes to ad spend. Um, but I also think that often your niche is you. Yeah. I'm very aware that my niche is me. You, you can, and you've, you'll have seen this, Andy. People try and steal my shit. They'll steal my fucking hell. There's people who've ripped off my entire journal. How many things I've seen called unstoppable now? And passed Glad it off know. as their own, yeah. And, and the thing is, like I say, I'm my niche. I'm unique. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm fucking special, but I have a, a delivery style that's different. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that's even different. Sure. It's just me. Yeah. have delivery style that's different. I'm consistent as fuck. So I would say I'm my niche. People either want to work with me or they don't. And again, I'm okay with either. Um, so yeah, I would say that I'm my niche. I think that a niche is important depending on your what you're selling and who to. If it's selling something that's generic to lots of different people, then you're going to blend in a little bit. So that's where you would have to either hone in who you're targeting or you would have to become a who that's very special and different and unique. Yeah, I get what I'm saying. Yeah, t- no, I totally get that. Because, I mean, some people might say there are certain characters who are divisive in their marketing, but yes. you, 
you, you're so authentic. Probably the most real. What do you think about Smith for an there. example? Smith works with anybody who's fat. <laughs> yep. But he's his niche. Yeah. Can you see the the sort of wrong type of person certainly isn't yes. appeal to isn't yes exactly get exactly so he's his niche rather than the niche being his niche yeah okay yeah. so so what would you sort of say to people who because uh, I see a lot of people now putting out content and it's people I know and it's just so inauthentic they're just <laughs> trying to play the game yeah do you think those people will just get found out and what would what would be a better solution for them in terms of how do I get people to stop the scroll but still be inauthentic? It's a great question. So the in so inauthenticity. And I, I actually don't like the word authentic. It makes me feel sick, the same as manifesting and all that shit, right? Oh, manifest. Just makes me feel a bit bleh. Gonna manifest my millions. People, most people don't even know what authentic is, right? The thing is just being yourself. Authenticity is just the absence of inauthenticity. Inauthenticity is just covering up your insecurities and your imperfections. That's it. Wow. So that's all it is. Inauthenticity is trying to hide your imperfections and cover up your insecurities and just trying to be something else. So if you want to be authentic, here's the thing. Here's when you'll find out whether those people can handle it or not. When people start pointing out their imperfections. Oh, right. When people start pointing out their insecurities, mm -hmm. which people do to me. Well, they try to, but that's why it won't affect me because I've already done it. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Because yeah. every now and then you'll bite on social. Yeah, yeah, always when you question me integrity. Mm. If you question me integrity, you're going to get it. Or if mm. it gets personal, I'm probably going to give you it as well. Mm. Um, but the, we, we kind of we miss this part, or I miss this part, when we're like, what's the best way to deal with it? I'm like, depending on how I feel on that day is how I'll deal with it. If I'm tired, you're going to get it. But yeah. if it's just a comment about the content and you disagree with my opinion, I'm not bothered. If you want to dig at me accent or how fast I talk or if I'm annoying, I'm, that's always a compliment to me. I'm like, oh, thank you for noticing. You're really annoying. I'm like, thank you. I try hard. Do you know what I mean? Oh, your confidence is ridiculous. I'm like, thank you so much. Your confidence is, you're so arrogant. I'm like, thank you for noticing. I've been working hard on that in the background. But if it's like, if it's something like, this is the one that annoys me the most. You're just preying on weak people. I'm like, come to my event next Friday and tell those 150 blokes in that room that they're weak. Every single one of them will put you to fucking sleep, mate. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. I'm like, mate, have you missed the... People comment on stuff that I give away for free and saying, this is a disgrace, you're just ripping people off. I'm like, how can I rip people off? This is a scam. It's free. How yeah. can it be a fucking scam? Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. asking for credit card deals. And then I'm like, and, and that's just a bit that pisses off the most. I'm like, mate, I'm doing hundreds of videos. I've got all this free shit. If you can't pay for it, that's not my problem. The only thing I sell is me fucking time is me time and me expertise. I mm -hmm. give away a lot of shit for free. That's the only shit that triggers us a little bit because it's my integrity. And that's the one thing that I'm like, you're not questioning that. Or if you say anything about my wife and kids, I'm going to have you. Um, but the rest of the time, I'm I'm cool with it. But yeah. Um, if you come back to the, the five Fs, I've got a quote here yes. from Leslie. Because yeah. I was talking to Leslie uh, about Dubai, where, yeah. you, where you went in the summer. And she said, whenever I go to Dubai, it always expands my mind to what is possible yeah. wealth-wise. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, I, and I love that. So, yeah. I mean... Is that a magic moment for you? What other magic moments do you have? Oh, for, fucking hell what's, what's 2023 look like for Paul Mort? So 2023, I'll tell you on the 2nd of January. <laughs> because I'm still working on this year, Andy. Okay. I'm still working on this year. Um, Dubai is always a place that, that I love to go to in the winter because it's, it's a six-hour flight. Flights aren't that expensive. You're guaranteed hot weather. And like I say, it always expands your mind in terms of what's possible wealth-wise. Like when I'm staying in the Atlantis, it, it, here's, the, here's an interesting thing. I thought this time I was doing something in Dubai the fuck? it might have been that skydive thing it might have been um, 
when we get to the we get to go to the front of the queue and all the rides in the Atlantis because we get in the hotel guests before get in before anyone else. On the last day, we always go to the water park when it opens for the hotel people because we get to go one ride that you might queue for three hours for. In twenty minutes, you'll get to go on it three times. And I had a thought there was, you know what this this is the shit that makes getting the criticism well worth it. This kind of shit, it allows me to get, allow my kids to do this. It allows me to go and experience things. So Dubai's always a magic moment for me, but 2023, mate, I haven't even considered it too much. We'll get a book deal done. I'll get a paperback book deal right. over the line. In fact, I had an email when I went for a piss there. Really? Um, from a, a guy that's going to be helping me write the book. Um, he's listening to my last audio book right now. He's keen as fuck. He's, he's done books with Tyson Fury, James Haskell, Ollie Ollerton. Uh, he's doing. He's working with John Fury at the minute. So he's working with a lot of these people that I respect. So he's going to be helping me with his next book. So that'll be something that one of my targets for next year. So that really the theatre and the uh, the the book are my two main goals for next year. Holiday wise, I've already got them all booked. Oh, right, okay. Because <laughs> it's a weird the thing we're seeing a lot at the moment. It's like, yeah, yeah, Andy, speak to me about marketing in the new year. Speak to me in the new year. But I know you did a good post about yeah, the new year will never come. Yeah, because same the, stuff shit that I'm, putting off. the stuff that we're putting off until after Christmas is the same stuff we've been putting off since January. Like, I'm like, I'm going to have a chill break, mate. I'll go to Thailand on the 26th. I'll not turn my phone on until the new year now. Probably until the 3rd or the 4th of January. And I'm okay with that. I'll say happy new year to people on the 4th of January. I'm cool with that. And obviously my wife has a phone. But here's the cool thing about this, mate. It actually made me better at business doing this. Because think about the level of organization and delegation that you must have in order to be able to do that. So it's not about bragging that I can do it. It's like, actually, I have to work very hard in that yeah. week leading up to it because I have to be organized. I have to make sure all the emails are plugged in. I have to make sure all of my team are clear on what's required. I have to let go of control. I have to let go oh, of the need to control. Oh, don't. I can't get, and it would be easy to say, oh, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'll just check my emails for an hour each day. But I'm not going to do it. I can't be with my kids and strangers on the other side of a screen at the same time. I'm either on holiday or I'm working. The bit in between is the bit that fucks with people. That's the bit in between, that grey area, that shit zone. You're not quite on holiday. You're not quite switching off, but you're not quite switched on either. It took my eight-year-old daughter to point that out to me a few years ago when I said, listen, Holly, I spend loads of time with you. She goes, no, you don't, Dad, because you're always on your phone. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fuck, mm -hmm. that was just a massive truth bomb there. Because mm -hmm. yeah. It's about not just the quantity of time, but the quality. Yeah. And I think so many people, they think, oh, I'm spending loads of time with my partner and kids. Like, are you or are you just there on your laptop, on your phone, doing deals? Yeah, it's the hardest part about going to Michelin star restaurant is I want to take a photo <laughs> of every meal. Every bite, I'm like, let's take a photo of that, take a photo of that. And then we'll have to put the phones in Leslie's handbag in between courses. <laughs> and, and how do you manage with your kids? You mentioned they're on TikTok and YouTube yeah. all the time. What are they like with their phones then? Do you, do you have any sort of rules, guidelines? Or Here's snow? what you've got to think about, right? We don't have any rules or guidelines. No phones at the dinner table. No phones at the cinema. No phones if you've been an arsehole. How often do you sit down and have, like, dinner together? Not that often. Okay. But just times all over the place. Like, I'm not eating dinner at fucking 8 o'clock most nights. Leslie's normally had hers by the time we get in, but it's at least, I'll say twice a week. Um, twice a week dinner, once a week lunch, once a week breakfast normally as well. Um, but but the, what you've got to consider is if you want your kids to not be on the phone, like, what are they going to do instead? Mm-hmm. Watch some shit that you don't want to watch. You're on your phone, so why shouldn't they be? It's a really yeah. weird thing. Someone, someone said to me the other week, Paul, I'm, I'm sitting at home with my wife on a night and she's just on her phone the whole time. I'm like, well, what's, if she gives up her phone, what's there for her? Mm. Oh, watching England against Wales. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying yeah, though? Yeah, Like, I'm like, if, you, if I want to stop looking at my phone, there's got to be something worth stop looking at it for. It's the same with your kids. So I don't expect them not to be on it. 
when there's nothing else that's going to hold our attention. Get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the conversation at the table has got to be a good conversation rather than, other than just fucking fork scraping across a plate. So back to the quality of time. Yeah. So, so, so what, what's an average day look like for Paul Mort then? Ooh, right, right now. Fork average. But my days are actually, <laughs> do you know what's mad, Andy? I'm a big fan. Many people love rigidity and routine. Mm -hmm. I actually don't. I don't value it. And I think it comes from when I spent four years of my life hating my life as an apprentice, where I'd have to get up at the same time every day, have the same breakfast every day, get picked up at the same time every day, clock in at the same time every day, have a morning break at the same time every day, lunch at the finish. And four years of my life hating that is probably what created this void for me in terms of freedom. Okay. I felt like I had no freedom. I felt like my life had been, because I left school and went straight into that. And I felt like my life had been taken away from me. Because some, some people like that. They love that routine. Security, don't Mate, they? There's no, one guy, yeah. there's a lad called Chris, who I started my apprenticeship with when I was 16. I was 16, 26 years ago, right? This guy, Chris, had a ham and peas pudding sandwich, a Mars bar and a can of Coke every day. Every single day. For the four years I was there, right? Shit. I bumped into someone last week at the match who still who still works there. Chris is still there 26 years later, has the same sandwich, the same Mars bar and the same kind of Coke every day. Loves it. Wow. That's not for me. So I value variety mm -hmm. and I actually value uncertainty, which is why I keep challenging myself. And again, he values certainty, which is fine. Yeah. This is also why people stay in relationships and jobs that they hate because they love certainty so much. They, they, they might not like it, but at least it's predictable. At least it's familiar. So you're, you're not a fully paid up member of the 5am club, I'm anything like that? The right. only time I'm getting up at 5am is if uh, I'm going on holiday. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. The only time I'm getting up is if I'm going on holiday. I get up at six most days, sometimes a little bit later. Today I got up a little bit later. Trained hard yesterday. And I'm traveling tonight. So, um, But my, my, my morning ritual is very similar. I meditate, journal, uh, cold shower. or So I meditate and journal. Those are my first two things. I'll do something to drum a business, post, email. Then I'll either sauna and cold shower, or sorry, sauna, ice bath, or I'll ice bath, then walk to the office. Do you want to say, say more about the meditation? Because you mentioned about journaling, like you were yeah. a skeptic. I was a skeptic as well, and it took me three months for like, ah, shit, yeah. I see what Paul's going on about yeah. now. Maybe the same with meditation. Oh, meditation, I was even worse taking the piss out of. Chanting in the forest naked. Yeah, chanting in the forest naked, rubbing oil on your nipples, sit me your legs oh, crossed. Like yeah. Sit me your legs crossed, going arm, um, emptying your mind, all bullshit. So who opened your mind to it? Was it, was it Garrett White? Then? Garrett White pointed okay. me in the direction of something called ascension meditation that he'd done with the Ashaya monks. Right. Then I went, so I, what I tend to do is I'll pick something up and if I like it, I'll go on a fucking, I'll go down the rabbit hole. Right. I'll go, and I went down the rabbit hole with this. I ended up studying with the Shire monks. I ended up becoming friends with one of them. He's been on my podcast, Arjuna. Yes, listen to that. He's been in and done loads of training for guys in my programs. In fact, I must have sent a hundred people his way to do wow. retreats with Arjuna. Um, so that opened me into that. And then I, then I fancy changing it. I want to learn more. I then did transcendental meditation. Got a bit from that. Like the ascension better. And then I was turning on to this guy, Dr. Joe Dispenza. So what's the difference between transcendental and ascension meditation? Nothing. Oh, right. Okay. Nothing. They're both the same. Uh, they just have different mantras or different, they call them in, in ascension. It's called, um, it, they're called attitudes. So you right. got false statements that you say to yourself mentally. In, uh, in transcendental meditation, they give you one. And it's just a word. That's like a Sanskrit word. You're not allowed to share it. Well, just keep focusing on to stop yes. your mind. So you come back to the word. Blimey. You come back to the word. You come back to the word. And then in 2018, I was turning on this guy, Joe Dispenza. I didn't really like it. I was like, eh, it's not for me. He's talking about fucking quantum physics and that. I'm like, eh, it's a bit too much for me. Then 
I heard a podcast of his with, I think it was someone like Lewis Howes, I think. And I heard a podcast. I was like, oh, shit, this guy's good. And then I watched a series of his on a, on a channel called Gaia. It's on Amazon Prime. Right. Prime Video. And I watched a series. I was like, fuck me. This is unbelievable. And then in January, I made a commitment. Right, I'm going to learn from this guy. And he had a course called uh, The Formula. It's a 12-module course. And I was like, I'm, it's mad this. All my programs are online. But I really struggle to do online courses. I just get distracted. <laughs> I, it, there's not a set time to do it, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I thought, right, every Sunday, I'm going to do one of these trainings. First one was incredible. It was like 20 minutes of learning with a 20-minute meditation at the end. Who can't do that? So it was like quite practical as well. Mm. I'd finished the whole 12 weeks in eight days. <laughs> You're like, all in or nothing, right? This is for me. Have you signed up to stuff and not done? This is off. Yeah. Hun- mate, not even kidding. Yeah. Hundreds of thousands of pounds worth. Oh, right. Okay. Hundreds of thousands. Jiu-jitsu stuff I'm the worst with. In fact, I, I bought a jiu-jitsu one the other week, a half-guard thing. I haven't even logged in oh, at all. I just... I just, don't know what it yeah. is. Don't Inst- know what it is. Instagram ads. Maybe it's because it's like 30 quid. Whereas the Spencer stuff yeah. is more expensive. So anyway, I did that and right. I was like, how can I get more from this guy? I tend to go all in. Mm-hmm. If I read a book that I like, I'm like, how can I learn more from this guy? What can I buy? How can I get coached from him? What workshops does he have? What else does he have? So he had this seven day retreat in London. I went to it and it blew me fucking mind, mate. Shit, seven days? Blew me mind. Right, seven okay. days, three grand a ticket, 2,700 people there. Shit. Seven million quid. Uh, did a week with him and then I was lucky wow. enough to meet him. his head trainer um, and then I did a two day course with her on the educational side of it um, she's actually doing our she's actually delivering our Alliance online workshop she's doing a, a, a keynote which will be sick um, so yeah it, it was game changing for me so do you meditate when you're on holiday so it's your journal on holiday every single day same meditation it's twice. a non-negotiable twice okay. why would I not so are those the two non-negotiables two non-negotiables and some kind of exercise. And where would you say is a good place, people who, who've never done any meditation, where would you say is a good place for them to start or does it depend on the person? Anywhere. I think guided meditation is fine. I think guided meditation is fine. The Calm app, the mind, the, the whatever app you want to use, use that app. Um, so even if you've got a calm headspace. Two whatever. things you've got to do with meditation is understand that it's not about emptying your mind. And two, I actually have figured out that if I go into a meditation with an intention, it goes way better. If my intention is just to make it through the 15, 20 minutes, right, yeah. I struggle. I struggle. But my, my, my intention, it go, I'll go in slightly different. And I think just commit to it. And you got to think about this. Meditation is one of the most tested, scientifically mm-hmm. tested and scientifically proven methods of experiencing more happiness in your life. Full stop. I mean, you say like the, the physical exercise that you do, that's mm-hmm. also linked to your, your mental well-being as well. Oh, you 100%. Like saying- Mental health needs physical support. There's no other way around it. Right. Think about this, Andy. This is the way that I look at it. If you experience emotions in your body, emotions are the language of the body. So if you experience emotions and feelings through your body and you want to experience less negative emotions, why would you keep treating your body like shit? Just amazing. You posted a picture the other day and it was you in 2014 compared to now. And it's like you're fucking Benjamin Button. You've like de-aged. It's mad. It's, it's mad that. So It's mad that. I didn't even do that picture. One of my friends did that picture. I, I did it. it. Basically, I did a talk. I did a keynote for his business. Right. His, the members of his business. I did one in 2014. I went back on last week and he was like, mate, I've got a picture from the last time you did this talk. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hell, Imagine man. me with my shirt off. <laughs> and for you, obviously, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that's a big one for you. Any two things exercise? That, what changed my life with, with, with exercise was you got to consider, mate, I was a PT. I was a I PT. I know how to get in shape. In 2014, mate, I had access to some of the best trainers in the world. Best trainers in the world write me programs. I just couldn't do them. 
And then I discovered boxing. Okay. In 2015, 2016, I discovered boxing. I got back in the train, I lost a bit of weight, weight training, but never really liked it. Picking things up and putting them back down just doesn't do oh, it yeah, for me. I don't find okay. it stimulating. Okay. I don't find it interesting. I don't find it exciting. I don't get inspired to do it. I like the results of it though. My body still needs it. My body responds very well to weight training actually. And, but I discovered boxing. Boxing made me feel alive. Back in 2015, mate, I was still doing lines off my desk in the middle of the day, not even boozing. I was doing lines of coke before going on a webinar just to feel something. Because I was still on lithium back then. This is the bipolar medication. Right, okay. Made me feel horrendous. And one day my friend said, hey, I've just done the boxer size qualification. I actually know Andy that owns boxer size. I said, mate, I'll get you on this course. Did the course. So mate, can I take you on the pads? Took me on the pads, he said. After a few weeks, he was like, do you want to spar? Like, All right. Punched me in the face. I was like, fuck yeah, this is a bit for me. Right. This is for me. Made me feel right. alive. And then I boxed wow. for ages and then I discovered jujitsu and I was like, yeah, this is for me. Addicted. I've got the bug. Yeah, I've got the bug. Yeah. And, and what it is- I can walk. I, I like walking. I get walking all the time. I've done a bunch of yoms we did. Me and the kids have done uh, Old Man of Coniston this year and we did- uh, We obviously did the fan dance. Did the fan dance. What's the other one? What's the one that we did? A, a big one this year as well. Name a mountain. Done Snowdonia? No. So Scaffold Pike? Scaffold Pike. Uh, never done my that kids one. did that. Did fan get, dance. Holy shit. My, ki my kids didn't get what the fuss was about with Scaffold Pike. Oh, really? Yeah. Nina was a bit gas, but she was only little. Taken to Penny but Fan. Max was like, oh. eh. Yeah, I'm never going back a penny fan. I've done some physical things before, but but the, the fan dance amazing. So you got to remember that one. I yeah. didn't do it with weight all the same time because I was injured. Yeah, that same injury that I had for that same thing. My friend broke his leg Saturday night with that same thing. She looked right. Okay, my friend yeah. snapped his leg, snapped his tibia and fibia. I've never heard a noise like it Saturday night. Uh, yeah, so that's so I'd hurt my knee for that one. I still got through it, but the first time I did that was 2018, I think, with Ollie. No, it wasn't with Ollie actually. It was with a special forces company. Um. That is no joke though. Yeah, but I mean, turning up for that, because obviously there are a few people that, you know, the various injuries started coming up during training. Yeah, people started it. dropping off. You're like, oh, right, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah. And then some people didn't turn up and you're like- And then you've got oh, Tyler Saunas doing it with one I fucking know. leg. I know, I saw him. You've got down, Lee so Webb doing it with fucking cancer. And you've got somebody saying, I've got a sore toe. That was a big wake up call for a lot of people, I think. I had to run the last mile to get to the halfway checkpoint time. Yeah. And this guy said to me, he goes, oh, can you hold this bag for me? I was like, what? And I was holding it up. And I realised it was his food bag going direct into his stomach. And yep. it was, it was, was Lee, like, I. holy shit. Yeah. That was, And yeah. then like I say, you've got people saying I've got a headache. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I should, I probably shouldn't have done it without knee injury, but it was my event and there was no way I was pulling out. <laughs> so how, you know, when I was a kid, my mum always used to call me a stubborn so-and-so and I take it as a compliment now to mm -hmm. be honest, but how much of this stuff that I'm going to fucking turn up and have a go, do you think is just ingrained in you or it's there nah, for very early on or do you think it's all trained it's not ingrained in me it's all trained it's not ingrained in me me I'm not a born winner never won anything never won anything that's why I'll go into Saturday being like I'm not bothered if I win or not like, I'm not bothered if I win I'd like to it would be nice to bring a medal home I've actually I've actually um, you could say visualised I've actually mentally rehearsed getting a medal I know I've, I've mentally rehearsed here's how mad this is I mentally rehearsed getting a medal at this thing being on the podium mm -hmm. I know what shirt I'm wearing what rash guard I'm wearing I couldn't find that rash guard last week, so I had to buy it again. Getting goosebumps just talking about oh, that. Wow. It's weird, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, so I would like to, but I'm not that. I'm not that bothered. So Paul Moore was a kid. Never won anything. Were you? Were you still quite outgoing? Outwardly nah, not really. Just, did you blend in or not really blended in? Quiet. Here's a point that I got. At school, I was always the one that trying to make people laugh, so I'd always right, get in trouble. Okay. And then obviously you get to a point in your life where that's not acceptable anymore. And then I went away from that, and then that came back to it. Can't help myself. Yeah. I think it's something to do with not getting enough attention as a kid. I never got praise when I was a kid. 
Right. I'm not saying my mum and dad didn't love me, but I cannot remember any praise. Any praise. Whatsoever. Yeah. Well, and, and Again, I don't think, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I think it's part of the reason why right now, and you go through periods of your life, especially as an adult, where you get addicted to praise. I am. John Martini said, Paul, you're addicted to praise. Instead yeah. of the problem you've got with that is you can't get the praise without the criticism, so you have to suck yeah. it up. So is that part of the rush about being on stage? Why that's your favourite? Million percent. I mean, was it a thousand Sent people in Newcastle? A thousand people in Newcastle. In Belfast, I did 1,500 when I opened for James. Yeah, that's, that's definitely part of the reason. So it's like a superpower. Yeah. And what, I'm 100% ADHD as well. But that's a superpower. I wouldn't be able to do what I do without ADHD. And do you think your kids, when they, when they look at you on stage, think, bloody hell, one day I, I want to be like this? You, I, know, I know they're very young, but I think they so. any inclination Nina, to what they want to do? I think so. I think so. But you never know. You never know. Max is very quiet, but then he's also hilarious. Nina's very loud, but then I went to our school show the other week and she was a bit, she just went from being the main one to being a little bit shy about it. But oh, the, kids go through this peri- these yeah, periods. Yeah, of course. Go through these periods and Ian's a little bit older now. She's obviously, she's nine, which means she'll start getting hormonal soon. Max has got a little moustache, so they change. Um, But again, I'm hoping, I think my main job is to inspire them. If they don't want to do it as well, I'm cool with that. I've got two teenage daughters. Yeah, Yeah, I'm cool (laughs) with the office a lot. I'm cool, I'm cool with them not wanting to do what I do either. But if they do, they do. I'll do a podcast with them next week, actually. And how are they sort of academic? Because my two girls, there's, there still seems to be a lot of pressure on kids to do well academically. And whereas I look at the most successful people, uh, my peers yeah. and very average in school or weren't for us but they, they fucking mate, I don't push hard. them on it I mean, if, if they complain about the homework I might like, don't do it then and then I'm, then they do it it's weird like listen you don't have to do it I'm not going to force you to do it if it's upsetting you but you've got to consider that it's you who will have to deal with the consequences if you don't do it I try and teach them responsibility so if he goes into school and he hasn't done his homework and he gets detention I'm like well if you want detention that's okay that's you yeah. have to deal with it yeah. rather than forcing them to do it and me like doing that homework for them to make sure they get it done. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not teaching them consequences. They need to get in the, mm-hmm. I kind of want them to get in the real, it's part of the reason why they're not in private school. I didn't want my son to go to private. I could easily put my kids in private school, but I'm like, I'd rather them get, they get streetwise in comp. I think they do anyway. They get a bit more streetwise. They're meeting some of the rougher kids. That, yeah. Yeah. It's a real interesting, it's a real interesting thing. Yeah. Right, so yep, some quick fire questions. Cause That's I know, cool. I know, I know time is precious. Yeah, right. I also need a wee. <laughs> Another one. Right. You go for a wee, we'll do the quick fire questions Let's afterwards. go. No, let's go. Let's right, go. Okay, right. Your favourite podcast besides Say Hungry? Great question because I don't listen to podcasts. You don't listen to podcasts? No, never. Oh, okay. No, don't have time. Fair enough. What do you listen to in the car? Uh, music. Music. Yeah. Okay. Right. Talk sport. Hang on. Let's give you a podcast. Okay. Right now, I listen to... Actually, I'm going to give you my favourite podcast. Shag Marionoid. Ah, okay. Ramsey, yeah. Oh, my wife loves that. As a family, we, re- we listen to that a lot. Um, my kids, it's weird. Max has listened to every single episode. But when we're traveling, we're like, let's get a podcast on. Otherwise, the kids will argue about what music's on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's probably the only time I listen to podcasts. It's mad, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I say this all the time. I'm not much of a consumer. I'm a fucking creator. Mm-hmm. If I'm listening to a podcast, I could be doing sales calls then. I could be doing coaching calls then. I could be making videos then. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think you've got to get the balance right. Okay, yeah. Right. Favorite film? Oh, that's one of our interview questions. We always ask that. It's a world-class question. I watch a lot of films. A lot of films. Slam scene, Black Pan- the second Black Panther. I've seen it. It's good. That. It's, good. it's good. Spider-Man. Oh, whoa, whoa. Which one? The last one. Last one. Excellent. It'll be right up there. Um, in fact, I've got more. I love, there's a book. There's a one called, um, I think it's called The Green Book. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing film. The Green Book, I think it's called. Amazing. 
Um, yeah, mate, I've got, I couldn't even answer that question, but right now will be that last Spider-Man. I fucking loved it. When that, when Toby Maguire walks in, amazing. Oh God, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When the other guy walks Andrew, in. Andrew Garfield. Uh, Andrew Garfield, amazing. Yeah. But mate, that's a hard question, that. Yeah. The Green Book will be right up there though. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Whenever we interview people, it's like, what's your favourite film and why? Always keen to know. We're keen hard. to know the why. Yeah, doesn't hard. matter what the film is, want to know hard. why. Yeah, okay. I'm very much looking forward to this new Avatar film, by the way. Oh, when's that finally coming out? Uh, next Friday. No, oh, shit, really? Friday after, 16th. Bloody hell. 16th, we've got, we booked it for 40X Christmas Eve. <gasps> I can't wait. Bloody hell, excellent. Yeah. Right, your favourite kid? No, can't ask that one. I know I know. grandparents have a favourite grandchild, can't ask favourite kid. Right. Um, different kids for different reasons. <laughs> Here's one. What's the best mistake you've ever made? Best mistake? I mean, I'm fucking hell. I'm struggling because I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> Letting people come in my programme and snake. Oh, letting people come in my program and try and steal clients, letting people oh. come in my program. And uh, here's the reason why that is, is a great mistake. In 2019, this happened. And the next year I tripled my income because it was a big wake up call for me. Not in terms of seeing like no coaches allowed in because I coach a lot of coaches, mm -hmm. but just in terms of thinking, I need to work my fucking game here. I need to work my game here. I need to not take it so personally when people leave. I need to make my program even better. It's fuck, you'll not find anything like what we do here. If you've seen the curriculum and the plans for yeah. next year, no, who else is doing that? No one else is doing yeah. that. So that was something, that happening was something that made me really level up my game. Yeah. Shit. I'd be too scared to go up against. I mean, who yeah. people just have the balls to do that? I mean, I would if I was them. It's not even balls, really. It's just they're doing their best. That's why I saw it. If I was behind somebody, and even now I'm looking at, okay, who's doing this better than me? Robbins. There's people doing it better than me. The people who are further ahead, I'm going to take stuff from them. I'm not going to directly steal their shit. But I'm like, what are they doing that? Mm. Why not? For example, Wake Up Warrior, 10, 12, 15 million a year they're doing. Yeah. There's a reason why I've got their sales guy coming in to do a training for Alliance. Oh, nice. He also ran Tony Robbins' highest ever gross and ad campaign. Okay, I'll win it right. A friend of mine. Wow. Strategically. <laughs> Have you been to a Tony Robbins event? Right. No. Yeah, I, I watch the net. Do you see the Netflix thing about mm -hmm. him? Don't know the ninety-minute sales page. Don't know whether it's not my cup of tea or not. Like, yeah, I don't know. Right, last question, important one. Obviously, where do people go to find out more about Paul Mort? Ooh, PaulMort.uk has just had an overhaul. You can find me on Spotify. Uh, Paul Mort talks shit. You can find me on YouTube. Paul Mort one on Instagram. Watch out for the fake accounts on Instagram, though. It's loads of them. Um, don't go on me Facebook. I hate it on there. Cesspit. Um, but yeah, the best place would probably be Instagram, Paul Mort One. Excellent. Paul, Sick. it's been a pleasure. You've changed my life. You've changed those people's lives. It's been an honor. Oh, thank I you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers Paul.